Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. It's been a momentous week, but it's been a contentious week as well. Racing politics bubbling away under all the brilliant action that we saw on the track at the Cheltenham Festival. It's been a busy and interesting week for the Chief Executive of the British Horse Racing Authority, Nick Rust, who has come under considerable scrutiny and has incurred one or two robust exchanges of views during the course of the week, particularly off the back of the National Hunt Chase, the four miler in which several jockeys were banned for a variety of reasons. We'll talk about that and all manner of other things. Now, because I'm delighted to say that Nick joins us in the studio. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Uh, are you still feeling positive and energised about the game after a, a difficult week at Cheltenham? It was a great week at Cheltenham, was it not? Um, with the exception of one race, I think it was a brilliant festival. The sport came together. We set the bar quite high on welfare issues and preparation, and I was delighted to see that the vast majority of trainers and jockeys supported that brilliantly. The trainers and their teams putting together the pre-race information, the trot-ups, everything else we put in place, and we had a good result out of it, you know, if you compare this to where we were last year. I want to thank also the jockeys, the vast, vast majority of jockeys who rode superbly during the week. Um, so I, I thought it was a fantastic week for racing, um, and we should be very proud of it. It shows what we can do when we work together. Why are the BHA taking so much criticism from the horsemen at the moment? Well, I if think, you were to sum it up in a couple of sentences. I think we're probably at a, at a philosophical disagreement, aren't we, with regard to how we manage welfare, but also some other matters. Um, uh, the bar, you know, I saw some comment from Henry Daly saying we just need to improve our lobby. Well, the, lo the lobby for British racing in Parliament is strong. Um, but it can never be strong enough. If you look at the comments from Mims Davis, who came to Cheltenham on Friday, had a showcase day around the place, she loved it, and she spoke very positively about what the sport is doing um, to, to lead on welfare. We have a strong um, situation in DEFRA as well, but the bar from the public is moving and changing, and you know the animal welfare debate, uh, the, the, the debate on British racing back in October time, the animal welfare minister stood firm by our sport, but at the same time put us on notice that he needed to see improved outcomes, otherwise he would come under pressure to intervene. And we're very fortunate because our sport is independent of being regulated by a completely independent regulator or by government. And, you know, we must protect that if we're to ensure our sport can survive and thrive. I, 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 I listened to the comments of Conor McGinn, MP, who sits on the all-party racing group, and he said, look, you know, we can leave no stone unturned with politicians. We need to make sure that they are kept on side because this bar is moving. We need all the support that we can get. I also listened to, you know, just explain it better, just explain it better. And, uh, you know, Ted Walsh's comments, obviously, as well, with regard to Peppa Pig. It's not, about, it's not about who watches racing. It's about who has the power to change the situation for racing. And I am not prepared in my role, to stand by and watch the sport that I love, um, head down a path that we've seen before. We need to learn the lessons from history. I was with Sir Mark Prescott the other day. He was talking about coursing, and he very kindly gave me a copy of his, his book on it, Fascinating History. Mm. And he said, look, I think coursing would still have been here if we hadn't dug our heels in and said there is no change required. If we'd muzzled the dogs like they did in Ireland, we'd have moved on. I saw the same comments um, around, just explain it better, from the Countryside Alliance and from many people actually involved in jump racing saying, just explain hunting with dogs, hunting with hounds, just explain it better and it will survive in its current form. 
I've seen comments from around the world about sea life, about uh, modern uh, traditional circuses, um, around zoos that are traditional. All these things are having to change because public opinion is changing. I want to stay ahead of that and make sure this great sport can survive and thrive. You mentioned Ted Walsh. and That was after his winner at Cheltenham uh, this week. And he was asked by Lydia Hislop about uh, the amateur riders race, and about the decision that had been taken to ban several amateur riders. And he expanded on that and warmed to his theme. And this is what he had to say. What did you make of the negative headlines of the National Hunt chase on Wednesday morning? I thought it was way over the top. I thought it was a disgraceful uh, decision by the, whoever informed the BHA. But I've been used to great disgraceful decisions here. I remember Tommy Ryan and Joe Bourne getting three months as disqualified persons. Not just a suspension. They were disqualified. They couldn't even go racing. I'm all for fellows like me who are excessive use of the stick or do things wrong. But I was standing here last year and watched a wonderful Gold Cup get a wonderful ride off Richard Johnson. And not one person standing here was offended by what Richard Johnson did. They find him 5,000 quid and suspend him for 10 days. When you see that happening, there's something very wrong. If it looks wrong, it is wrong. But if it's not, doesn't look wrong. The numbers were the biggest mistake they ever made because they packed themselves into a corner. And a monkey can count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like, that was the mistake they should. If they know loads of good stewards in England over the years and they'd say, that was, you misbehaved there and give you a few days. But the minute they brought in the numbers, they gave those as no choice. Once you want over nine or ten, it's like the speed limit. But racing is under such scrutiny. Ah, if you don't like racing, go and watch Peppa Pig. That's what I say. Racing is what it is. It's a wonderful sport. Horses get killed, jockeys get injured. No one knows it better than me watching Ruby. I got injured myself. It's part of the game. That's what the sport is. And the people, everybody is here, 60 or 70,000 people here yesterday, they know that as well. Don't be pampering to the fellas because they want to stop it altogether. They, they won't be happy until there's no race. And there's no point talking about modifying it. They won't be happy until there's no race. But please God, people like you and the rest of us here will keep it going. So it seems to me that everybody's after the same goal. It's just a question of how you achieve that goal. Henry Daly today has said in an open letter to trainers, I'm writing to you with a deep sense of disappointment and disbelief in the leadership we've seen from our regulatory body. I'm sorry to say that the BHA championing itself as guardians of welfare in our sport seems to be sorely misguided and misrepresentative of our great sport. So this really is the question that I need to put to you, Nick. Why has trust broken down between the participants and the regulator? Well, I, I can only surmise on a few things, but um, we, we have made some uh, mistakes in the way that we have consulted in the recent past. I think we've relied too much on the trade associations. Uh, a good example is the hind shoes um, discussion. Uh, with hind shoes, uh, we, we consulted with the PGA. They had it at the top, one of the top, top, top initiatives they wanted to see for their jockeys. Mm. To, to ensure that all uh, horses were shod unless there was a veterinary reason why not. Uh, we moved to put that in place. The NTF challenged a bit, but in the end supported the decision, as it had done on the flat um, previously. And then just as we're about to go ahead, we have uproar from 40 jockeys, a number of trainers and so on. And what became clear is that the consultation approach that we're taking or have been taking by just going to the PGA or the NTF, when the NTF relies on regional meetings to consult with its uh, with its trainers, and if they don't turn up, they're not getting consulted. That that's not good enough, and you know uh, we we didn't handle that because of that as well as I would like. And in future, we're just going to go directly. So I think there's been some lack of trust around that. Um, there's some we're we're raising the bar, unfortunately, for as some trainers see it. We're asking them to do more. We're asking for higher standards to be put in place. 
we're looking for change. The BHA on, on my watch has been looking to make considerable change to try and move the sport up to the standards that are expected in the wider world. Um, and, and amongst sports governing bodies as well, we have to reach a bar if we want government support. So, um, you know, I can understand that people don't like change. I can understand that where they don't feel consulted with properly, that that makes the change even more difficult. And I've got to put that right in terms of consultation. So how are you going to do that? Well, it's quite simple, really. We will... We, as well as saying we will consult directly with NTF and PGA on issues um, that affect their members, you know, we will have to consult directly with trainers. We're also putting together a, a group that will look at rules and the current situation in the sport, and I will invite participants directly to take part in that. We're not, we're not the, you know, we're not an unapproachable organisation, despite what some would say. You know, we're not the Stasi either. You know, some of the comments that have been made. Um, in public about the BHA and the sport by some licensed personnel, you know, in other sports, they'd be, they'd be brought in for disrepute. We try to have conversations. I'm pretty approachable. Um, we want to improve things. We're going to have to make sure that we make even more of an effort to contact people. I mean, I was absolutely amazed to go to Nicky Henderson's um, the morning after his comments um, with regard to Hind Shoes and the Henry Oliver incident at uh, Utah. Utoxter, and to hear to hear him say that neither he nor any of his six or seven nearest neighbour jump trainers have been consulted on hind shoes. We expect that when we go to the NTF, they will consult. So, in your view, the National Trainers Federation should bear equal responsibility for the feeling. No, of no, no, dis- no, I'm not, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm no, so, but, no, 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 but for the feeling of disenchantment amongst their membership. I.e., so if there's a if there's a body and a group of trainers, and Henry Daly's statement seems to suggest that that there is a general level of dissatisfaction with the regulator, you feel that their trade body, the NTF, should bear equal responsibility? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm no. saying trainers should, should get into the NTF themselves. The NTF, we, we need to go directly to trainers as well and hear their opinion. We can't rely only on the NTF and the PGA. The NTF's got a difficult job. It's got to represent mm. John Gosden on the one hand to, to a trainer at the, at, the, at the lowest end of jump racing. On the other hand, it has a difficult job to... to I'm not criticising them. I'm just saying that the method that we have been using to go to trainers has relied only on the NTF, and that's not good enough. We need to go directly to the trainers themselves. There's a quote, a really interesting and quite measured quote, I thought, in the, in the Racing Post today, in Bruff Scott's very lengthy uh, review of Cheltenham, and they, he put... Uh, they do indicate a concern that the well-intentioned emphasis on horse welfare by racing's governors is taking their necessary duty of care into a self-defeating policy of caution. Have you ever known a well-known non-racing journalist queried on Wednesday racing to be so defensive? It was a sad question to be asked, and the best answer came from a tweet by Sam Whaley-Cohen. Strong attendances on course, record ITV audiences, equal and leading female participants, world-leading horse welfare, racing is in good shape, we need to stand up for our heritage and values. Do you accept that you are seen as too defensive? No, but, but, but I... Well, sorry, I accept... Well, no, you are I, being seen accept, as too defensive. I accept that those people see that we're being mm. seen to be too defensive. I don't accept that we are being too defensive. Um, I think just look at what is happening. Politicians are under pressure from the way in which the world is changing. And you just have to look around the world as well. I know you're going to talk about racing in America later Mm. on. We're seeing change in Ireland. You know, Ted Walsh talks about counting and numbers. And, you know, I'm sure that was a little bit of a reference too to what's happening with the change in the whip rules in Ireland. Uh, There's changes in whip rules in France. All of racing's governing bodies around the world are coming under pressure on welfare issues. But in Britain, we have it even more because because we are a nation of animal lovers. This is not the antis anymore. I keep hearing it's the antis. 
this is about public perception. This is about where, you know, there are offices in London now which don't have milk in the office fridges. They don't have it because milk is bad. Milk, milk leads to cows being forced to be milked and more methane in society. The world's changing, Nick. And we have to make sure that we do stand up for our sport. Absolutely. We do that every day. Um, I just want, no, I want, I want to say, I want to say, I'm sorry, Nick. I want to say, you know, I, I, I hear this. And I'm, I am now off the bridle. I told you I'll probably get there. <laughs> I, I, I hear this stuff about the BHA not standing up for the sport. We're in Parliament every day. We run the horse comes first with 70,000 quid. If the sport is serious, let's, the horsemen and the racecourses should give us some money to get behind it. I'm delighted to say that we're announcing a new welfare board across the sport that will have representatives from horsemen, from trainers, from the BHA and an independent chair and almost certainly um, some political support and advice there. Uh, I'm delighted we're doing that. And by the way, the trainers will have a seat on there because James Given, who's obviously otherwise qualified as well, is going to to sit on that group. I'm delighted about that. Um, If you cut the BHA open, it is full of experience and love for racing. The vast majority of people who work for the BHA, I am an exception, but I bring something else and I'll stand up for myself in a minute. The vast majority of people either rode or worked in yards or worked in breeding or worked at racecourses. Many of them have got more experience than all but the very top commentators that have been talking this week. They've got more more damned experience and they care. And they're sitting there listening to people saying, we don't know about racing. Listen, do not, do not, you cannot, um, you cannot criticise the motivation of the BHA. The BHA is trying to make sure that this sport does exactly as what was commented on. You can challenge their competence, but just remember that we are at the edge of the interface between the sport that we love and want to protect and help thrive and the public. You can not challenge the motivation of the BHA because I think everybody believes, or most people, most sensible well, people, sometimes most I sensible think, people yes, believe sensible people. that the motivation is perfectly well-founded. You can, however, challenge and criticise the methodology, and you should always be able to challenge and criticise the methodology. You should be able to challenge, but I want to go right back... To, to the way in which you frame this argument, which is framing the argument in terms of moving welfare forward and taking what some people might perceive to be quite drastic measures to affect that. I want to take that right back to who is it that's applying pressure on Parliament? You talk about society applying pressure and therefore racing has to change. Give me some hard fact. Give me some hard data that informs you that you have to make changes in a way that might be without the natural expectation of the sports participants. Look at the draft manifestos that are being constructed for the major parties ahead of a general okay. election. So, so look at the fact that the, anim- look the, at the animal welfare minister being appointed for the first time. Look at his focus on our sport. He is a supporter, but only if we continue to manage avoidable risk. The sport has to manage avoidable risk. We've got a good record on welfare. Mm. We've got a great record on welfare. But it's flattening out in terms now of, of fatalities. And people say, well, you always have fatalities. But I would. But ask, who's, but applying, I would, who's applying pressure to him? Is he reacting simply to what he seems to be a, cha- a shift in society, or is he being lobbied harder by what I would call animal rights? You might call animal welfare groups, the likes of Peter and Animal Aid, he's who are not animal welfare the, groups. They're animal he's rights. He's responding campaigning. to the public because animal rights groups have a limited limited amount of voters. The public have a huge amount of voters. Mm. Um, Look, look at what's happening in society now and the, the digital world. Look at the Times. Mark Suster lost his job at the Times. He lost his job as racing correspondent. They didn't replace him. 
Why was that? Because I have on good authority that the Times said that digital uh, readership is concerned about animals and racing goes into a pot that is not an acceptable pot for promoting, and instead we will get our star journalists focusing on the negative stories. That's very interesting, given the fact that Times was the, the newspaper that splashed Brownie Frost this wide yeah, across great. their front page yes, this no, week. So they cannot be anti-racing in that, but in you, that you, context. Yes, yes, that's fine, and so they should. What a fantastic story. But the journalists gone, and they've got an increased number of stories on anti Animal, uh, pro-animal welfare, pro because the public is changing. And so the Times and political parties are looking at what people say because in different ways they benefit from what people say. I am not suggesting for one minute, Nick, that we give in, we surrender, this, this nonsense talk. We are in Parliament every day making sure of the facts. Before Cheltenham, Robin Mounsey, uh, Ross Hamilton, Will Lamb, Martin Fuel, mm. meeting MPs, briefing them, giving them the facts... We're doing that. We're standing up for our sport. But we're also saying that we have to avoid uh, avoidable injuries. And I'm delighted with the outcome from this week. I mean, I really wish that we'd had, you know, fewer than three fatalities, but we had three fatalities. Last year, we had six on the track and seven um, when you took into account one that was euthanized afterwards. So, you know, all of the hard work done by the trainers, the jockeys who rode excellently, and by the way, the talk, you know, they heeded our concerns, and I'm, I'm delighted with them. We're not going to put in any new measures for entry um, on, on penalties and so on, because the vast, vast majority of jockey, jockeys rode brilliantly. You know, those things have helped make a difference this year, and they need to make a difference all the time. Of course, we're not going to have a zero fatality rate in the sport. We're not promising that to government. No one's doing that. You know, give us some credit. Um, but, you know, we have to we have to show that we're doing everything we can to avoid unnecessary risk. And if we do that, we've got a very, very strong platform to say that our social license for this sport, the ethical case for this sport, all the good that it does in rural constituencies, the employment that it creates, the great fun that creates the high emotion and drama of top-quality sport that it creates can live and thrive. But if we take an attitude yeah. of there is no need for change, leave it the way it was, argue the case and it'll all be OK, well, someone will need to switch the lights off afterwards very quickly. But the sport has evolved constantly. It has. Over centuries. What you're proposing now is a slight acceleration of that evolution. That's fair enough, isn't it? Yes, right. Yeah. Look, we... so, so therefore, so you've got, you've got two ways of achieving your objective, one of which is to make... Is, is prophylactic, essentially, to make sure that uh, incidents don't happen and to ensure that the, the playing field is as safe as it possibly can yeah. be within the yeah. parameters of our accepted risk. And the other is the regulator is then to, to punish and to, to meet out or justice deter. or deter mm -hmm. when, when something has happened that you or the sport as a whole finds unpalatable. And this is the ethical argument as regards uh, Tuesday's National Hunt chase is the extent to which you find this unpalatable and the extent to which the, the jockeys that were punished could have done anything different to avoid that. Alantra Blaze falls, there was no penalty uh, attached to, to her rider. To the left of shot is Jerry's back. Declan Lavery has to make the decision, do I jump the final fence or not? He's eased down heavily on the horse. Horse who falls now is clearly tired and his rider, Rob James, got a hefty suspension as well. The horse in fourth place, incidentally, his rider didn't get a suspension because he just hunted him round at the back. So, in your opinion, what did Declan Lavery do wrong on the third place horse to Jerry's back? Well, it's not for me to say we're in the middle of an appeal. All, all I say, all I, and I don't want to prejudice that. Um, and just to be clear, you know, there was some, some interesting comments made around, you know, 
leadership and who was involved in the decision-making. This is a panel of stewards, experienced stewards. George Welsh, who's been a steward for a long time, ex-amateur rider, very experienced, together with two former jump jockeys in Adrian Sharp um, and uh, Simon Cowley, who, who was senior steward on the day. And they looked at the existing rules around the welfare of horses and they decided to take action. That's a decision they took on the day based on what they saw and they need to manage the rules. We've got the fairest, I think, independent disciplinary system or backup system uh, in sport. It's being copied by other sports at the moment. That's mm-hmm. been set up. Racing should be very proud of it. Mr Lavery's going through an appeal. Um, it'll be heard at the appeal. I, I, I defy anyone to say that that race was a good example of what our sport's about, that that race did anything to help us um, in the future management of our sport, or indeed that all of the rides in that race um, were, were within our rules. Um, and, and I'll leave it at that for now. Um, but can you imagine if the BHA sat there and said it's seventh race, you know, the stewards want to get back to their overnight accommodation because they've had a bit of a tough time and it's all a bit difficult, this, isn't it, because it's Cheltenham and we don't want to announce something. Can you imagine if we left no. that race? I, it's, it's, you know, I know, what I will say is it's tough for jockeys. It's tough for jockeys because we are putting more pressure on them by the way in which those rules are being managed because we are putting a high uh, price on saying you must look after your horses above everything else and at the same time you must um, obtain the best possible position mm. i'm sure that will be tested out in the appeal but but i would argue strongly that we must do that you know there was a point to point in ireland you know famously over the last year that's been shown on youtube it's different right and i'm not criticizing that per se but where basically the horses could not finish the race. But I remember yeah. Ida Chases of similar, similar yes. nature. Yesterday's Midlands National yes. was not exactly the most edifying no, spectacle okay. in the world. I, I, I agree. Four mile chases in the mud are attritional and sometimes they are not pretty to the eye. But the minute you start saying these cannot take place, then where do we finish? I'm not saying they can't take place. I, I'm saying that the, that the rides need to be within the rules and the rules are there for a good reason on welfare. And, you know, we have to come down on rides that we feel do not look after the welfare of horses. It's as simple as that. What's the point of having those rules there if we're not going to enforce them? I I hear talk about, well, there's £13,000 for third place. Oh, well, that's okay then. (laughs) I mean, I I know it's very, very, very difficult for the jockeys. But what I'd say is, you know, in 26 of the races, because we had another incident in one of the other races, Uh in 26 of the races at the festival, those top quality jockeys got it right and rode superbly. Let's have a look at that head-on again. Um, I think on this programme we can do that. Um, let's keep your eye on, on Jerry's back there, the, the green cap with the, with the white star. Now Declan Lavery jumps two out, but the horse is t- quite tired and he lurches He's very out to tired. right. Now here's the decision he has to make. Do I hunt the horse home and allow him to pop over the last fence using my years of experience and horsemanship? The horse jumps the last extremely well, and then he just pushes him hands and heels up the running. Now, I don't find what he is doing on that horse unpalatable. What he is doing on that horse, I would conjecture, is responsible. He's not hitting the horse, he's pushing the horse out, hands and heels. What is unpalatable to anyone about that? But, Nick, I'm I'm not here to discuss a decision that has been appealed from the race course. I, you know, I, I'm saying it's a very difficult and it's a higher bar for jockeys now. I accept that, right? I'm not there to talk about that ride because it will get discussed in appeal. I can't talk about it. 
But you're allowed to talk about what you believe to be the acceptable face of British jump racing, and you said that wasn't the acceptable face I of British jump racing. I said the race was not the... the acceptable face of yes. British jump racing, I and said it's not very a great showcase. I said very carefully the race. But sometimes races are not going to be easy on the eye. Is that not it's just not the just case? It's not just about easy on the eye, is it? If it was as superficial as that... Um, did you, did you, what you haven't shown, and I'm glad you haven't, is the horses that were down, the screens that were up, and the state of the horses that fell in the home straight there. You know, look at them, and you tell me that they were looked after um, to the best of our sports ability. And uh, they were when they were on the ground, and thank God they got up. Um, but, you know, we, we have to avoid those situations where a tired horse does that wherever we can. Those horses were exhausted generally in that race. There were two or three coming home. Um, uh, Would you like to see the end of that race at the Cheltenham Festival? Do you think the four, a four-mile race for novice chasers, sometimes in heavy ground ridden by amateur riders, do you think it's time that it goes? Well, we looked at it in the review, and actually the, 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 one of the factors we looked at was amateur riders um, and their record. It's been a bit better until this year in the festival over the last few years. And, you know, in discussions with Cheltenham, we kept the race going in its current form. I think we have to review the race. What we end up doing with it is, is another matter. Um, and would, look, would, you, next, would, would you prefer it if it just wasn't there? I'd have preferred if it wasn't there on Tuesday, given where we got to. But we are where we are. Um, we, we, there is a combination of factors that add to the risk of that race. And I think when we, when we talked about the Cheltenham Review this year, it was not a Cheltenham Review, really. It was a review of jump racing and a, a signal of intent in terms of how we were going to manage risk. The things that were put in place for the festival itself, mm. we're looking to put in place everywhere. You know, we're going to talk about injuries in, on racetracks in America that are masked by, um, that may come about because um, uh, fatalities come about because they're masked by other substances. We have to look at the way in which horses are being trained, the individual records of different categories of racecourse trainers and so on, and remove avoidable risk. Because then, then we can all go together and say to Parliament, here is the case for racing. Here is the 17,000 people who work in the sport. Here is the 3.5 billion GDP. And here is our record on avoidable risk. But we have a superb record in racing and before and after racing. But what you've got to do is find the common ground between you and the practitioner so you can take the practitioners with you. That's true. Because yes. the, this, this yeah. culture of divisiveness is not helpful yeah. to the sport. I've never known a yeah. festival like it where there's so much bubbling yeah. discontentment and where you must have felt like a walking target for people. That cannot be right, yeah, as you no, were no, I, even if your intentions I are good. That. People are scared to speak up who have a different view within the sport, because those who uh, lead and have leading voices and are vociferous will, will make their point, as, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. And some of it not in the most constructive way. You know, um, come and talk then. I'm going to invite these people to come and talk about things. You know, when we have issues... I hope there are enough people out there who will at least acknowledge that I and my team go and see them, listen to what they have to say. We need to do far more of it. I accept that. But, but you know, I hear this stuff about, you know, from uh, Mr. Daly saying, you know, we know more about the equine than the BHA. Well, yes, you know a lot about training horses, but there are a lot of people inside the BHA who, who know about horses too very well. And with respect, Mr. Daly, you don't necessarily know what's going on with Parliament, how the land lies, where the public is generally, you know, and, and I have to be mindful of that for our sport. If I didn't, you'd quite rightly say I should be moved on. Uh, Tony McCoy, uh, you, you had a robust exchange with him that was sort of, was actually caught on a racing TV camera. Now, what's he saying to you here, Nick? Uh, well, I can't remember exactly what he was saying at that point. Um, but, you know, he made his point about what he'd said on the TV the day before, and I made my point about uh, 
about where we were. And uh, I, I don't know if you show it at the end, but we were smiling and shaking hands at the end. Now, he was very angry, and on ITV, he made the point about Australian senior executives within your organisation. I'm right in believing that that has annoyed you immensely. Well, it hasn't annoyed me. I think, uh, specifically, I just think it, you know, I made it clear to him that he got his facts wrong about who was actually making the decision. Um, and secondly, I mean, what is this about, you know, on the back of what he said, unfortunately, some other keyboard warriors within our sport decided to say, you know, bloody Australianism. I mean, it's such a cheap shot. I'm so sorry. It's such a cheap shot. Um, and it's also inappropriate. It's the sort of language that's not appropriate. It's the sort of language that was being used by, uh, you know, uh, ar arguably by some who were seeking to um, effect boycotts um, over the last few weeks on prize money. It's not it's not helpful. Um, and it's a prejudiced comment. You know what? Because because Brant Dunshay is Australian, he can't do his job. Now, I know I and I accept that Tony was saying it was very much because he didn't have as much experience of jump mm. racing. But, you know, some of the general comments are, are, are not out there. But, but I'd say, you know, Brandt and David who, uh, Sykes, who are two of the most senior people, they've got experience not only in Australia, but in Hong Kong, in Dubai and here. We don't say that someone who's running the British or the Welsh, sorry, the English or the Welsh rugby team that doesn't come from here, isn't capable of doing their job, doesn't know British rugby, therefore can't, you know, lead the, uh, the, the individual teams. I just think, you know, yes... They're, they're pretty good at what they do, and yes, they affect change, and some don't like what they're doing. That's fine. Come and talk to us. Those individuals have spent a lot of time talking to trainers. David, sorry, just to say, David has spoken to a lot of trainers during equine flu. He, he and Brandt went out to Ireland, as well as seeing a number of trainers here, to help get the arrangements made for Cheltenham. They're top-quality people. They may not be completely understood, but they're top-quality people and recognised as such around the world as well in world racing. They're holding senior positions in the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities, leading the coordination of activities around the world, giving their expert evidence. So you know, why, don't, so why don't the horsemen realise this? Why don't they respect them? Why don't they feel that the authority is governing properly? Because we're asking for change. Because some of the basics that take place in other sports... And in other horse racing jurisdictions, you know, look at look at Windops, right? You know, I pushed that through. So don't blame the Australians if you want to blame me. I pushed it through. Why? Because in this day and age, um, we we need to know that uh, what has happened with horses, so that everyone has a clear chance, not only on betting grounds but on welfare grounds. I strongly believe that there'll be a reduction in wind right. operations as a result of what's been exposed, uh, and that's better for the horse. I want to bring Philip Hobbs and Ian Bartlett back in very shortly, but finally, before we do, can we just clear this whip issue up once and for all? Can we just clear this whip issue up from the BHA once and for all? You've had a very successful Cheltenham Festival in terms of the way that your whip regulations work. Yeah. Do they need changing at all now? We are saying that, and we've been asked by our board and by others at the leadership of the sport, the horsemen and the racecourses, we've been asked to review it and make sure we take into account all of the relevant evidence and data with regard to the whip. We're going to do that in a proper fashion over the next few months, gathering all the evidence that's necessary, how well have the rules worked since they were last changed seven, eight years ago, um, what is happening in other jurisdictions, what is the evidence of, uh, what is the um, uh, scientific evidence. Uh, let's have a look at the updates with regard to that. Yes, we've got to look at public opinion a little bit as well. But I tell you what, if everyone continues to ride, and this has been the message that we've been given, giving um, for several years now, and I'm, I'm very, very proud of the professional 
jump jockeys in particular for the festival. If everyone rides like that, we have a much stronger case to manage the retention of the whip in its current form. But going back to what you were saying at the very beginning of this conversation, where your brush was quite broad, necessarily broad, in terms of this is the image we want to present to a changing society, to a society that may not accept this, may not accept, may not accept that, don't you just sometimes wake up and think, ah, just get rid of the whip, be much easier? No. <laughs> no, look, I think if it's managed properly, we can deal with it. There are some issues that absolutely need dealing with, you know, so... Rides that are way out of kilter, we haven't got strong enough powers, I would mm -hmm. argue, to deal with them. I'm not going to... You can quote one at me, but I'm not... I'll quote a couple at you. And frankly, there were a couple of rides in the National Hunt Chase that I thought were way out of kilter. You punished them properly. Yeah, but there are, there are some where we would argue some people should have their licence suspended. They're so bad and they should go back to school, if you like, for a little while. There's then the totting up of the totting up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So oh, you're many... back again for some more totting up, but it's still the same totting up as last time. So, you know, are people really learning from that? That's few and far between. That needs dealing with. And then there's how do we deal with high-profile occasions? Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to deal with that because the, the number of offences generally has, has continued to fall or flatten, but in the high-profile days has increased. And, you know, we have to make sure that riding at all costs is stopped. And I was delighted to see this week the responsibility... But, I, but you, know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the broader philosophical issue. I know that yep. I can stand here and I could walk into a parliamentary committee tomorrow and feel that I could robustly defend yes. so uh, the I. retention of the whip. Do you feel that you can do yes, that? Yes, I do. Although, although when we get into ethical arguments for it, I think we need to back it up with more evidence. More facts? Yes. In... In a sentence, Nick, how can you reassure how can you reassure the racing public and the racing practitioners that you are not simply the Neville Chamberlain of the BHA, <laughs> that you're not you're not you are not simply putting appeasement before everything else, and that your rhetoric is sufficiently robust? Well, I'm going to personalise it a bit. You know, I, worked, I want you to. I worked. I worked in betting for a long time, and a lot of people said, "Oh, here comes someone from betting, and off we go." Well, I came here to make a difference. I'd like to think I have made some difference. I'd like to think that the work that I brought has brought improvement in the finances of the sport, the levy reform that came, a bit of confidence in the sport around mm -hmm. authorised betting partner that we don't just have to rely on betting firms, that we can stand up for what we believe in, a bit of reality about how we need to connect with government. Government is on side. What I've been saying is that we need to make sure we keep ahead. This is not appeasement. I love the sport. I came here to earn less money than I could have earned in my old professions. One of the oldest professions. I think, I think we've, got but, a, but, we've got a box of tissues but, under but, here, if but, I, just but, so but I can wipe own, a tear I own from my sources. My family is steeped in racing, not at the levels of champion jockeys and so on. But my auntie was an assistant trainer, looked after horses all her life. My uncle was a jump jockey. My dad always has a bet. My my grandfather was a, a racecourse doctor. I obviously wasn't an ex-jock. But I wrote to you know, Lord Zetland when I was 18 and said, can I have a clerk of the course job? And the only way I could get into racing was to come in through betting. I then owned horses since 2005, mostly on the jump side. I absolutely love the jumps. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the lessons of history about, as I mentioned before, um, hunting, coursing, circuses, sea life, dolphins. It's all changing. And they didn't move with it in time. They didn't move with it in time. I want us to stay ahead of that. I don't want to appease. I want to stay ahead of it by robustly arguing that we're doing all that we can as a sport, all that we can to I've, manage avoidable risk. I've got, I've got to get our other guests in, but I've got to just pull you up there. Hunting, coursing, 
are field sports. They're blood sports, essentially. That there is a clear ethical argument about whether you are pro or against them. All right, then. Uh, I, I, Fob tees. Five years ago, stood there. I, I don't see how you can put horse racing in that bracket. Well, I don't I can see tell how... you, no, I can tell you that's how the world's working. Because but there... you've got to push back against that. You can't allow you can't allow Peter and Anna Malay to bracket horse racing no, in the course. same, no, or to, to allow their voice no, to no, be heard as strongly of on course. horse racing I'm, I'm as sorry, it has it's been not on about all these Peter other things. and Anna Malay and their lobby. It's about the public. Read Twitter. Read the racing, does... Read your own racing Twitter to Racing TV during Friday, uh, during Tuesday after that race, and look at what racing fans were saying about welfare. Look at it. This is not just about the so-called. And, you know, the sport needs to wake up a little bit to this. Yes, tell us that our welfare measures Mm. that we announced in the review could be done differently and better to make the same point. Yes, come forward and say trot-ups are a waste of time. Tell us another way we can do it differently. Who is informing public opinion? Public societal opinion doesn't just shift uh, organically. It It is affected by... Pressure groups like the ones that I've been mentioning, and you have a chance to affect public opinion course, with what we, you do positively. But Nick, but rather Nick, we than, are. And then we come back right to the beginning of this, Nick, of this conversation. Um, the well intentioned emphasis on horse racing is taking their necessary duty of care into a self defeating policy of caution. Race, why does racing seem so defensive when it's got this great product? I don't think we are defensive. I think the talk that you see is internal to the sport. I think if you look at, if you look at the, um, the, the, the handling of flu, Equine flu. Mm-hmm. Look outside the sport. Now, forget what people said about what the BHA did. Forget what they said, although it was largely praised, heavily praised, mm. by those who understand horses, animals, and the public. Inside the sport, oh, snotty noses, blah, blah, blah. We might not have had the festival on. Look what's happened in France. Look what's happening in Ireland as well. They've got plenty of cases. We might have had an issue with the festival. We took the decision as we did. What I want to say is, look what happened when racing came back. Look how much positivity we put into that with Great British Racing. Back it comes at Plumpton. Hazel Poplinski tells me, you know, her bookings start going up because people remember that, they, that racing is part of the British fabric. We put a lot into it, but we need to get real. We need to put some money behind it. 70000 for the horse comes first is all that the sport mm. has. And we've just had a windfall in Levy. Yes, we're, we're, we're meeting some choppier waters, but we have to get behind it. Give us some money. Give Great British Racing and Rod some money, and then we'll push even harder. But I can tell you, within Parliament and politicians, you know, Connor is right. We can leave no stone. Connor McGinn is right. We can leave no stone unturned. But we're in there doing that. But at the same time, we're telling the sport, come on, you've got to come with us too. You've got to find the common ground. Well, no, I'm not sure we have to find common ground. There is plenty of common ground. I think we have to find the common ground on the last bit. I agree with you. We need to find the common ground on the last bit. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.